Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Open Doors podcast. I am your host, Christopher Summers. And today, as always, I am joined by Julia. Hi, Julia. Hi, Christopher. Good to be here again today. And this week, our special co-host is Jenny, who heads up our prayer ministry here at Open Doors USA. Uh, Jenny, thanks so much for being here with us today. Hey, Christopher. Hey, Julia. I'm excited to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Jenny, do you want to just take a quick minute and kind of explain uh, what you do here at Open Doors and how people might have seen your name in emails or on our website or things like that? Yes, I would love to talk about what I do here at Open Doors. So I get to engage Christians around the United States in prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters um, in the World Watch List countries around the world. And so I am involved in our prayer app, as well as all different other avenues that we offer for prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So you may have seen my name uh, inviting you, perhaps in a special Facebook prayer time or talking about our prayer app. Cool. That's great. Uh, we are going to be talking about some of the ways that you, if you're listening at home or in your car or wherever, uh, we're, we're going to be talking later in the episode about some ways you can get involved with prayer for your persecuted brothers and sisters. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive at what God is doing right now in Syria in particular, and then more broadly in Syria and Iraq. As you likely know, Syria and Iraq have been really tumultuous places for Christians over the last 10 years. We've got a civil war in Syria that's almost to its 10-year anniversary, as well as attacks from ISIS that killed so many people and attracted the attention of the worldwide community of believers. And then obviously they're facing things like COVID just like the rest of us. So we were actually able to speak with Pastor George, a pastor in northern Syria, and we will get to his interview in just a little bit. Uh, but first of all, I wanted to talk about some of the news that is affecting our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, Julia, what is happening right now among our persecuted family that we need to know about and pray for? Yeah, so Christopher, the story that's been on my heart recently comes from Iran. And really, the stories of persecution that come out of Iran are always difficult. But our field has shared that the economic situation in this country is dire now because of the COVID-19 lockdowns. And it's so bad that young girls and women in Islamic families are being forced into the Islamic practice It's called of temporary marriage. It's called saheh in exchange for money to support their family. So it's basically forced prostitution. Wait, and you're so that's something that's legal in Iran? It is. It's a legal Islamic practice under the under Article 21 of Iran's family protection law, if you can believe that. These women are given a dowry and then the marriage, quote unquote, automatically expires without a divorce. So basically, again, it is forced prostitution. Hmm. Wow. So, Julia, you said it's an Islamic practice. Is this happening to Christians as well? Yeah. Yes. We're hearing that young Christian girls and women in Islamic families are at risk. Um, those who have left Islam um, to follow Jesus, they're still in their Islamic family, um, but um, they are Christians. And therefore, they actually are at higher risk because they're Christians. And it's just, I know that this story is difficult to think about. It's difficult for me to think about as well as a, as a woman, but it's important 
that we're aware of what's happening so we can pray with these young women. And I think about also the mothers that are seeing this happen because in Iran, it's a very patriarchal society. And so a lot of the time the mothers don't have a lot of say in what's happening. And so I just think about the mothers as well, of course, the young girls and even some of the, some of the grown women who are currently in this situation uh, because of needing money to feed their children, their risk of forced marriage. Yeah. It's been interesting to see some of the news about Iran um, because obviously there's lots of issues for Christians, but then even in the broader context of their society, just seeing what's happened with the economy and that, um, you know, that civilian airliner they shot down uh, earlier in 2020 and all the protests that cropped up against that. It just seems like such a tumultuous place right now. So it does. It does. And the and the numbers for um, coronavirus are the government's not even reporting the impact. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of official numbers. But uh, there are so many reports that the numbers of, of coronavirus infections as well as deaths are way higher than what the government's reporting. That's well, a good reminder to spur us to pray. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jenny, is there anything uh, in the news or that you've heard from our fields that has really touched your heart lately? Yeah, thank you for asking. So it's both. It's been in the news and our field reported on it. And that is a significant development that has happened in Sudan, where the transitional government agreed to remove Islam as the country's state religion. It's a part of a peace deal it signed with rebel groups recently. And so this comes after 30 years of Islamic law, which was implemented and really strictly enforced under the former dictator Omar al-Bashir. And as a result, churches were confiscated or demolished by the government. The Christian leaders were harassed and arrested, all different horrible things like that. Well, this is really hopeful news. Yeah. Because Sudan has been in the top 10 of the world watch list for so long. Uh, this is it seems like a big surprise. Yeah. So this step is the latest um, in a string of decisions that's been made by the transitional government to repeal laws that violate human rights. So this is this is good stuff. Um, last month it announced it would cancel a law that made it illegal to leave Islam because it was actually illegal to leave Islam, which if you think about that means if you are a Muslim and you learn about Jesus and you decide to follow him, that's illegal. Um, or that was illegal, I should say. And uh, they also decided to repeal a law on public flogging as well as criminalize female genital mutilation. So these hopes, these steps are hopeful not only for religious minorities such as Christians, but also for human rights in general, which is which is good. It's really the answer to millions of prayers that have been sent up for Sudan over decades. I, I mean honestly, I I'm I'm so blown away by this news. Yeah, and it feels like such a hopeful development because, you know, whenever the protests and the overturn of the Bashir government happened in late 2018 and early 2019. It felt like nobody really knew it was going to happen. So it's really great to see that, you know, maybe, maybe there really will be some good news here in Sudan after so long uh, with no good news. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like progress is, is being made in Sudan. What other issues, Jenny, um, are affecting Christians that, that still need to be addressed there? Well, that's a good question, Julia. There are definitely, you know, while this is hopeful news, there are definitely other issues that still need to be addressed. 
and that we can be covering in prayer. So we can pray for the repeal of the blasphemy and public decency laws, as well as resolution of the problems around building churches, church registration, and of confiscation of church properties. Um, there's also a need for prayer for religious minority groups to be able to choose their own representatives in their ministry of religious endowments. So we share the churches in Sudan's optimism, and we also need to continue to stand with them in prayer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good reminder that even though we've had a, um, you know, obviously there's been some really good news. It's not like it's over yet. Right. Great. Well, as you are thinking about your persecuted brothers and sisters this week and praying for them, please do keep these issues in mind. Uh, we'll be bringing you more prayer requests at the end of the podcast, but as you try to engage and connect with your persecuted family, this is a really powerful way you can do it. So with that, I want to turn to our interview with Pastor George uh, from Northern Syria, from the city of Kamishli. Uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to give a little bit of context for some of his comments. So we've obviously been working in Syria for a while. Uh, Jenny, I think, is going to talk about our ongoing campaign. But really quickly, before we get to Pastor George's comments, I just wanted to you know, remind you that he's speaking from a place where in March, it'll have been 10 years since the Syrian civil war started. So he's coming out of 10 years of civil war. He is also coming from a region that was impacted by ISIS. Uh, they were never in the territory fully controlled by ISIS, but there were a lot of ISIS bombings and there was constant threat. Uh, for about three years, kind of the country lived on edge as they had to face ISIS. Uh, in October 2019, Pastor George's city was in the middle of a, in a, you know, a series of attacks from Turkey when they were trying to stamp out some uh, Kurdish rebels in northern Syria. And now, of course, there's the COVID crisis. So not only has Pastor George had to weather the day-to-day -day responsibility of being a pastor and caring for a congregation of people, but he's also had to do so in the midst of all of these crises. And at the same time, he's also seen millions, literally a million Christians flee his country uh, since the start of the Civil War. So um, I wanted to give that background. Um, a couple other programming notes, just so you know, um, to have full disclosure. Pastor George uh, only speaks Arabic, so we have a translator. So you'll mostly be hearing the translator's voice and not Pastor George's voice uh, because we wanted to make it easier for you to hear. And then at one point during our interview, Pastor George uses the term MBB, which is an acronym standing for Muslim background believers. So that's someone who is a Muslim and then hears about Jesus and then chooses to follow Jesus. So they're a Christian coming out of a Muslim background. Uh, but I, I wanted to explain that because they use, Pastor George used that term a couple of times without explaining it. So, and with that, we now turn to my conversation with Pastor George. Okay, I am here with Pastor George from the city of Kamishli in northern Syria. Uh, Pastor George, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you very much for your time and for this opportunity that you gave us to do this uh, amazing interview. Uh, God bless you. Thanks so much. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your church? My name is uh, George Moshe. 
uh, and I'm the head of the uh, Alliance Church. Uh, and um, I, uh, I live in Qamishli and I am married and I have three children. Uh, I currently also still live in Qamishli, in the city of Qamishli. Um, the, uh, the church and the population of Christians have decreased uh, uh, incre like, uh, incredibly or severely since uh, the start of the civil war. And because of much of the migration that happened of Christians, um, uh, this number is down to probably 5% um, among the rest of the population. 5% of them are Christians. The city of Qamishli is a very uh, beautiful city. It's a small town northeast of Syria, bordering Iraq from the east and Turkey from the north. Uh, it is uh, the environment of uh, the city Qamishli is very quiet, peaceful, um, uh, and it, it has a beautiful mix of ethnicities such as the Syriac, Assyrians, Armenians, uh, and also uh, Kurds and Arabs. ISIS were close uh, to the Qamishli border, maybe 10 kilometers. Um, they attempted to get into the city several times. Um, those attempts failed. We thank uh, the Lord for that. And uh, however, some explosions and minor attacks uh, did get in into the city. Uh, but in general, uh, the city has been protected by God. Pastor George, could you just share a little bit about the story of the brother in your church who was attacked by ISIS? Uh, it was a person that was uh, living uh, right behind my house uh, in a street where it's considered the heart of church or the heart of Christians, really. Um, and uh, that street uh, during the 2015-16 years were attacked uh, several times and there were multiple incidents, uh, whether they are uh, suicide bomb bombers or explosions uh, or any other uh, type of threat uh, was happening during those years. During that time, as I mentioned, there was an attack of three suicide bombers uh, obviously completely armed, uh, attacked this region and this street, which was called the Miami Street. Um, and uh, Pastor George, half an hour uh, before that, he went home. Yeah, he was uh, living close by the area and he went home 30 minutes prior to the attack. And uh, those three attackers um, threw over... 25 bombs and uh, uh, started doing mass shooting in the area, burning houses and uh, stores and uh, all the uh, business, small businesses there were all either burned or attacked. I will uh, quickly um, give you the story of my son who was uh, obviously close, as I mentioned earlier, to that uh, uh, place of uh, uh, the attack. Since that day, uh, my son, along with probably most of the people of his age, were struggling to sleep at night uh, because of uh, this horror that this incident uh, caused. Wow. And as I mentioned, uh, in addition to all 
probably the suffering of uh, kids in his age. Uh, my son would uh, wake up in the middle of the night uh, terrified, uh, thinking that he uh, would be uh, killed uh, and he would be crying in the middle of the night. And uh, he uh, would be asking questions like, why are we still here? Why do we live here? I don't want to die. And obviously, this was uh, very difficult for us, especially that we had the chance to leave the country and the opportunity to go somewhere else. And uh, despite that, we always put our life uh, to uh, in the hands of the Lord. And in those cases, I would uh, go and sleep by him uh, to assure him that he is safe uh, and pray with him, uh, although it is difficult to pray with you know, children that age, they probably don't, that's not very tangible to them. Uh, but I always uh, assure, assured him that with the protection of uh, God and we would be safe and the protection of some of the our community, uh, such as the Sutoro, which is a Christian police uh, guarding the uh, neighborhood, uh, that we will be uh, safe. And because of this psychological uh terror that happened to my children, uh, I had to do something tangible for them to uh, feel the safety, feel the protection. So I went ahead and uh, surrounded my whole apartment and balcony with iron bars and things like that. So to give them the sense of uh, protection and safety. As I am only one uh, example of the families we have here, we feel that uh, fear is the main reason and probably uh, reason number one for uh, causing most of our people and community uh, to uh, migrate and leave the country, fearing of ISIS and fearing of uh, you know, uh, the suffering and death and uh, all this uh, uh, horrible dilemma. Pastor George, could you talk a little bit about the uh, Turkish attacks and how that impacted Christians in Kamishli in northern Syria? Regarding the uh, attack of uh, Turkey on uh, Kamishli, specifically on Kamishli, uh, generally on the area northeast of Syria, but specifically on Kamishli, um, it was very, very uh, difficult for all of our people, and it was uh, much more uh, to, to my uh, believe it was much more scary and frightful to people than ISIS itself. Um, with those attacks, those several days, uh, multiple mortar shells fell on multiple houses in the area uh, and uh, it hit uh, several Christian homes and uh, houses uh, that caused it to, uh, uh, you know, demolishing those houses and hurting multiple people uh, of those um, in those families on those houses and it was a very challenging uh, matter to uh, handle but uh, as I am the head of uh, the church and also uh, you know head of my family. So we've talked about ISIS, we've talked about the Turkish attacks. I know one of the other big challenges that you've faced is COVID-19. 
Uh, how has COVID-19 affected this, uh, Syria and your church and the Christians of Kamishli? Given the very elongated years of uh, uh, suffer that we have uh, gone through since the starting of the civil war in Syria, people have already were already struggling with uh, poverty, with the lack of uh, uh, source resources, uh, food and uh, uh, fuel, and also jobs. Now with this uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, the poverty line, the people have been going under the poverty line by uh, stages and uh, hunger has uh, increased. Uh, medical uh, uh, supplies have been uh, scarce. In addition to that, the medical system, such as hospitals and other clinics, is already uh, deteriorating because of war. So this caused uh, even a bigger damage uh, and impact on people. Uh, but we thank Open Doors uh, that helped us and contributed greatly for supporting our people during uh, this uh, very uh, severe uh, or acute times uh, by purchasing and providing masks and gloves and uh, some uh, nutrition supplements such as vitamin C and other uh, supplements that helped, uh, uh, helps the immune system in addition to sanitizers and other uh, cleaning and HP products. And we were also, in addition to that, were able to provide food baskets to uh, lessen the impact that COVID-19 had on people. Praise God. Yes, we praise uh, God for that and for the cure, uh, for the recovery of uh, all of our uh, sick and ill people. So you've talked about so many different struggles for both you as well as the people in your church in Syria. How have you kept your faith and hope in God even during these dark times? The difference uh, for me was uh, the existence of God in me. I have a vision to my life uh, that God has planned for me. Uh, and uh, he called me to stay in my place in Kamishli uh, to uh, execute this plan that God has uh, put in me or showed me. Uh, and uh, since then, I've always sticked with this uh, plan and I believe strongly with God's work. Pastor George, did you feel comfort from God or did he give you a verse or uh, did anyone in your church community have a word from the Lord for you that really helped you keep going during these times that were so scary? I believe that God is with me uh, wherever I go and with everything uh, that I go through. And that makes the difference. That makes the difference why I withstand all the suffering and pain and struggle that we go through. With those all these uh, trials that uh, we go through, uh, that's when we learn that we are with God and we feel the touch or the hand of God during those times. Uh, as it is uh, God's call to for me to stay here, uh, and uh, especially that our church is the only church uh, in the area that works with MBVs, and uh, 
it's influencing uh, this community and uh, I see uh, the influence the, uh, that we have uh, with this community on a daily basis where this is really the mission is to reach uh, and, and preach uh, Jesus to uh, all the people in the area, uh, especially the much needed people. Is it dangerous to be a Muslim background believer in Syria? Uh, yes, it is very dangerous to be part of the Muslim background believers as the country is a Muslim country. Uh, the population is mainly Muslims and the government is also a Muslim uh, government and it's not allowed to uh, convert to a different religion. And there is so much uh, oppression and persecution for people who do that. It could result into uh, the actual killing of the person. Hmm. Wow. One of the believers in my church, one of the brothers, he was uh, from uh, an MBB background. Uh, he actually was part of ISIS in the past. And uh, once he came to the area, he uh, believed in uh, Jesus and he received the word of God and became uh, fully Christian. He was baptized and at some point he was even the head of one of the groups uh, we have here in the community in church. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, and uh, they, uh, however, after some time, ISIS uh, were aware of uh, him and they were notified about his uh, conversion and they started threatening him to uh, go get back to his religion and to them uh, however he uh, he continued his belief and he disobeyed their uh, command and their threat uh, and uh, uh, however because of that he was uh, uh, faced or he faced uh, multiple kidnap attempts uh, and uh, because of that, uh, it resulted uh, of him fleeing the country uh, and leaving uh, the area. And now he is living in uh, northern part of Iraq, Kurdistan, uh, the region of Kurdistan. Pastor George, where do you see God at work in Syria? Uh, what good things is God doing? I believe that God's work is everywhere and not just Syria. Uh, his righteousness touches everyone. And uh, I see that buildings and land and those material uh, matters don't matter. What matters is the humankind, uh, is humanity. And uh, despite war, uh, destruction, death, uh, I still see that uh, we see God's uh, work in Syria against all of the evil work that has happened, all the de demonic uh, 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 actions that we faced. This was actually a chance for many people to hear the word of God, many people to receive uh, this message. They are so close-minded where uh, some areas of them never heard probably the word Jesus. And this was a chance for us uh, after a long, long, long time that we were able to, by providing the food baskets and those means, we were able 
food baskets, uh, food aid, medical aid, and such uh, supplies, we were able to uh, visit those close areas and those people in those areas. And uh, finally, the word uh, uh, of God was received by so many of them. Some have accepted it. Some, at least, they received it. And uh, this is, for us, it's uh, a miracle. It's a great uh, chance for these people to repent and become, come back to um, Jesus. And Pastor George, is there anything that you would like to say to Open Door supporters who might be listening to this in the United States? Definitely Open Doors and all of its supporters. We uh, have uh, provided so much needed spiritual support uh, for us, for our community, for our church, uh, for our uh, struggling people uh, in the community. It provided us with TOT, um, and it helped us uh, grow spiritually as we see our vision and their vision uh, is completely aligned, holistically aligned. Um, and they have been standing with us uh, to and, and to our church to uh, allow us to give us the chance to survive uh, spiritually, uh, mentally, and physically. And we thank them for uh, their support and stand with Syria, the people of Syria, uh, the Christians of Syria, by providing food to everyone, medicine, uh, medical supplies, and so many other needed help. And that was my conversation with Pastor George. Jenny and Julia, we've obviously worked with Pastor George for a number of years, and so I know you're pretty familiar with his story. Is there anything in his interview or just in knowing his ministry and his heart for ministry that really has jumped out at you as you've read some of the stories he's brought from Syria? When I think about Pastor George and I think about his church in Quamishly, I am always amazed at this church that is so generous. And they are not just generous with Christians, they give to their community. And I love the fact that they have witnessed Muslims who have accepted Jesus as a result um, of the crisis because um, the church gave to them. So when the church started visiting, they began to understand about God's love. And he, he even says, we show them that God is love and that God loves people. So I, I'm always amazed that his church, he said that his church is now 25 to 30% of the 70 people who attend it are um, actually um, Muslim background believers. So um, praise God and praise God for, for Pastor George. I, I'm so inspired by him and his ministry. Yeah, I'm really inspired by him and his ministry as well and his congregation. Um, I remember seeing pictures of his congregation together in prayer during the Turkish incursion and them just faithfully just crying out to God during that on behalf of themselves and their country. And that was that was amazing. One thing that stood out to me in this interview was when he was describing the pressure that he felt as the head of a church and also as the father of children. I think sometimes it's easy for me to see persecuted Christians as superhumans and super Christians. And so just hearing him talk about that 
just reminded me how our persecuted brothers and sisters are everyday people just like us um, and that they struggle with the real world things that we experience too. They experience things that we can't even comprehend, but they also experience things like struggling to balance, you know, church and family. Yeah, that was one of the parts in the conversation that jumped out to me too, because I I was just thinking of, you know, my own kids coming to me and said, Dad, why aren't we leaving? Um, You know, if that had happened and just, you know, hearing, hearing Pastor George say that about his son coming and asking, like, that would just be heartbreaking and so difficult. So I'm really, I'm really inspired and also encouraged just to hear him share what God has done, even in bringing his own family's hearts to the mission of following God's call in Syria. I would love to ask, you know, as you're listening to this, just lift up Pastor George and his church in Kamishli in prayer right now. And as part of that, we also, we have an ongoing project in Syria and Iraq uh, called the Hope for the Middle East, and it's a seven-year project. Um, Jenny, I know you've been really involved in both the Hope for the Middle East project broadly, but also the prayer portion of it. Um, could you just explain to people, you know, Pastor George obviously has a church that is spreading the gospel and, you know, really helping his community. How does something like that fit into this thing called Hope for the Middle East? Yeah, so the Hope for the Middle East campaign is a seven-year campaign, which is really set up to strengthen the church in Iraq and Syria as they've experienced so much as a result of ISIS and civil war and all of the other things that have been happening there. And so um, we have these things called Centers of Hope. And um, because of the support of Open Doors supporters and their prayers, we now have um, Centers of Hope in Iraq and Syria. And 65% of all churches have been transformed into Centers of Hope in in Iraq. And 20% of churches have transformed into Centers of Hope in Syria. So I kind of think of them as the church having a social service arm, kind of. They have all different programs that they run for both believers and for as outreach to the community in general. Jenny, the seven-year campaign, what have we seen? I know that we're in the middle of it. What have we seen in the early years um, as far as how God has moved in this campaign? Because I continue to see uh, different ways that, that God is moving in the Middle East. Sure. So we've been able to help rebuild lots of homes and churches uh, is one thing that's happened. Um, As you can imagine, so many people fled these countries, especially during ISIS and that reign of terror. And so when people wanted to start returning home, there wasn't anything to return home to. So we've helped fix repair and build, rebuild homes, churches, so that when people decide to come back, when these believers decide to come back to their homes, to these lands where Christians have lived for so long, that they have somewhere to come home to. And I love the fact now that we're, the stories that we're telling now are, these Christians are um, not only rebuilding their lives, they are actually rebuilding the church. They're planting the church in this spiritual desert and starting Bible studies and presenting the gospel 
to their communities. I, I love the fact that we are basically, Open Doors is basically equipping them to be the church in their region. Uh, Jenny, what are some ways we can pray for the Hope for the Middle East campaign? I know it's a multi-year campaign of rebuilding and equipping, but I also know it's a multi-year campaign of prayer. So what are some ways that people listening at home can get involved with that? So we are really working on engaging more and more Americans in committing to pray for the Middle East. And one way you can do that is by downloading our app. Um, we have a prayer app, which Christopher, I've heard you speak about our prayer app before on this podcast. So I have the privilege of working with this as a part of my job at Open Doors with working with our app. And it can be downloaded in the Google Play Store or the App Store for Apple users. So this is a really simple tool that you can use to engage and know what is going on with your persecuted family around the world in real time. So it's not it's not old news, which is exciting. Definitely. I, I actually use the prayer app all the time. And I love the idea of praying with Christians in real time. There's just really nothing like it. Absolutely. So how can people download it then? So to download it, the easiest way is you can text the word prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R, to the number 32500. Or you can go to the Google Play Store or the App Store for Apple devices and look for the app called Pray for the Persecuted and download it there. Well, it sounds great. So as soon as you are done listening to this podcast, uh, either text that number or uh, go to the app store uh, that serves your device and get the prayer app. Absolutely. I would love to close us in prayer for these and, um, and then we'll close the podcast. Great. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being with Pastor George and with his church in Syria. God, we pray especially for them today that as they navigate the constant threat of living in a place where there's still war, as well as the constant threat of attacks from places like Turkey, um, being caught up in surrounding conflict, and God, obviously attacks from extremists living in their own midst, uh, particularly for all the Muslim background believers in Pastor George's church. God, we just pray for safety and we pray for bravery. And we thank you for Pastor George's example of being confident and taking peace and hope in your presence and your calling on his life. God, we ask that you would bring that same sense of security and peace to all the people that he comes in contact with. Please support uh Pastor George and his church as they stand and live for the gospel in Kamishli. God, we also pray for some of the requests that we've been talking about in this episode. We pray for Christians in Iran who are dealing with the coronavirus crisis and the on top of an already decimated economy. God, we just pray for uh, Christians to be able to have more freedom in that place as well as to be able to follow you more publicly. We pray that you would help them to reach out to their neighbors where they can and to practice discretion where needed. And God, we also pray for uh, the situation in Sudan. Thank you, God, that things are better uh, or seem to be getting better. God, we ask that those changes would continue and that the leaders would follow through on their words and that Christians would able to be able to worship freely and to be able to have churches that 
are open and have buildings that can be attended by anyone who wants to come and learn more about you. God, we thank you for these developments and we ask that they would continue and we ask that you would bless and encourage your people in Sudan. And God, we thank you for all the Christians who are risking so much just to follow you. Help us to lift them up into prayer and to stand with them each and every day. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been powerful, you guys. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Jenny, thank you so much for being here and joining us and sharing with us. Thank you so much for letting me join you. This is great. And with that, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Open Doors podcast. Just a reminder, if you could subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, that would be very helpful. And then I also want to thank uh, everyone who participated in our recent listener survey. If you uh, are not aware, we have a newsletter that goes out. You can send an email to podcast at opendoorsusa.org. And we will get you on that list so you can get some behind-the-scenes looks and invitations to participate in listener surveys, as well as notification every time there's a new episode. But for now, that's going to do it. I am Christopher Summers. I am Julia Warren. Thanks again for joining us for more stories of the persecuted church, because we are all one church and one family.